Hi, and thanks for tuning in to My Adventures at Home Brewing. I'm Dan Matthews, and come along with me as we talk about things for new home brewers, from gadgets to how we got started to, I don't know, all the mistakes we make along the way. So come along for the ride and have a beer or two along the way. looking for that yeast that can help you attain the best beer possible that you're looking for escarpment laboratories escarpment laboratories are located in guelph ontario and make some of the finest yeasts in canada if you want to make the beer that you want and have consistent results all the time you need to check out escarpment laboratories hey guys dan here have you ever had a problem getting your glass or plastic fermenter clean? Well, I've just been introduced to something that's brand new. Uh, it's called Scrubber Duckies. It's a magnetic scrubber meant for glass or plastic fermenters. All you do is you drop this down inside your fermenter, use the handle, and scrub through the crud that's left over from the crucin. I've seen a lot of things, but this is, seems to be one of the neatest and coolest things out there right now. If you're having a problem getting your plastic or glass fermenter clean, this is something to use. Scrubber duckies. Hey everybody, it's that time one more time to go around the sun once more and have a beer or two along the way. And maybe this time a cider because we have something different this week. Uh, we have Jennifer Dean from the County Cider Company down in Prince Edward County, which, you know, a lot of us have been to because of Sandbanks Provincial Park. Uh, it's a great place to go. But my wife and I and our family have been going to uh, Picton and all that for the last few years. And we've always made our way over to the County Cider Company because, in our opinion, uh, they make some of the best cider in the area. Jennifer, how are you doing? I'm doing really well. Thank you so much for inviting me to talk today. Oh, it's greatly appreciate if you're taking the time out of your schedule. I know that maybe the harvest is done now, but I'm pretty sure you have enough to keep you busy by with producing cider. It is. So harvest is done. Uh, the cider's fermenting away in the tanks. And uh, our farm is closed down for the winter, but our production facility keeps running year round. So I'm in the production facility right now and we're still making cider. This is where we keg and bottle all of our cider that goes out to oh, licensees and the LCBO and grocery stores. Oh, and we also have our online store going. So we're packing up orders and sending them out over the winter months. Oh, right on. So um, tell us a little bit more about yourself and how the actual company came to be. Yes, yeah, so my late husband, Grant Howes, started uh, the company back in the early 1990s uh, when he first got the idea to start making cider from the apples that his family were growing on the family farm here in Wapoose. And uh, it's been growing ever since. So he actually started uh, making cider in 1995. So that would have been our first year. So we're celebrating our 25th year in business. Wow, congratulations. Yeah. And over the years, we've gradually changed up our product line. We've been growing new types of apples. Grant was always in search of that perfect apple, the perfect cider blend. Uh, it was what he, his mission was to make the best cider ever. Well, I can say you guys have pretty much hit the mark on a lot of it because uh, my wife and I really enjoy uh, your blood orange. Uh, well, thank you. The, the peri cider you make. 
that's my personal favorite, that Perry cider. And that's that, the one I happen to be drinking right now, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, that like I really enjoy that one. I mean, out of all the Perry ciders I've had, that has got to be one of the best ones I've ever had, and I really enjoy it. And and the tor- it's tortured path. It's like the, your dry, yes. the dry cider. Right. That one was an inspiration from a visit to uh, the UK. And uh, we were on a tour at Thatcher's and a a Land Rover pulled up and an old gentleman in a cap like yours uh, pulled it, rolled the window down and started speaking to us and was telling us about uh, a new machine that they were having made uh, to harvest the apples that would subject the trees to a tortured path as it went through. And we liked that expression. So we ended up making a cider, calling it Tortured Path. It was only later we found out that the gentleman we spoke to was actually John Thatcher, the owner. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's pretty impressive. Pretty impressive. Well, so seeing as that we're we're getting history on cider, let's talk about actually how you guys go about doing it and then maybe how we can maybe translate it into people like me who make it for fun. So... The Howes family, when they bought the apple orchard back in the 1970s, were growing um, apples for the commercial market. So sweet apples, juicy apples, sometimes with some acidity, not very much tannin usually in the type of apples that you grow for the supermarket. Um, So those type of apples are good to have in the base, but in order to make a cider sessionable or drinkable, you need to have a good balance of acid, sugar, and tannin. So the tannin or the astringency is what sort of dries out your palate when you're drinking a cider and refreshes it and makes you ready for that next sip. So we started growing more cider apple varieties. So English varieties and French varieties that have a little more tannin and maybe a little higher acidity in them as well as the sugar from the apples we were already growing. And I think that that's, that is that triangle of balance that you need okay. to, uh, so, so getting the right apple. So not just using one apple. So where cider making differs from winemaking is you usually blend the apples when you're pressing them. Oh, Whereas okay. With wine, you usually do one variety at a time and then you may blend afterwards. Right. There are very few apples, I think, that you can make a single varietal really well okay. uh, of cider. So maybe Kingston Black or Dabinet, something that has a little bit of all three. Macintosh has sugar and some acid, but it doesn't really have any tannin. Okay. So if, you're, if your sugar is really, really high, it's going to make a bland, sweet, high alcohol cider giddy up That's, yeah for for selling it though that may be good for drinking but for selling it anything over seven percent is classed as a wine so it's tax time oh i always thought like and i don't on the beer side of the world it's anything that goes over 12 percent falls into the range of like wine and slash barley wine yeah totally different with wine we're oh. uh, we have a wine manufacturing license okay people like cider more to beer when they're talking about selling it, but mm. we, it's made more like wine 
Right. And, and we actually have, we're treated like an imported wine here in Ontario anyway. Oh, good to know. So when you guys are doing, and you're pressing everything, uh, you mentioned that the, some of the apples and things like that already have like a, an abundance of sugar and things like that. Mm-hmm. But do you add anything else into it? Uh, any extra, like maybe honey or sugar? Uh, I know for us, uh, sometimes um, if I want that little extra sweetness, I'll add like a little bit of honey on the one. Everything's done just to sweeten it up. Um, and But I do know if I want to like stall the yeast, I'll add in, a, I think it's a potassium sorbate and right. it's like to stall it just so I don't cause it to start fermenting again. So you're aiming for something that's a little bit sweeter and you yeah. want to stop the fermentation at a certain point. Yeah. And that's certainly doable. You can also, heaving is another way of doing that. Uh, much more difficult, uh, the whole process of heaving. Uh, there is uh, a company in, um, in the UK that does it really, really well and I really enjoy their ciders. Keeving mm-hmm. uh, isn't something that we do here, and what is uh, so that? What, so that's, you have to add uh, a chemical to the cider that causes it to, to split. Okay. And it forms what's called a, a chapeau brun on top. It bubbles up. Okay. And then parts of it drop out to the bottom and you have to rack the middle part of the cider off when it stops. So it, it ferments it to a certain point and then it stops. So you rack off that that center portion of the cider and it's still sweet, usually really low in alcohol though, two, three percent, something like that. Okay. Well, yeah. that's that's cool. So um when you got so everything's done in inside your fermenters and all what kind of yeasts do you use? Is it a specific cider uh-huh. yeast? Is it like for us, we are, our seems to be a lot of us in the beer world rely on USO5, which is a brewer's yeast to really make sure everything's bang on when it comes to an ale, depending on the style. Right. So we started out, we use a champagne yeast or um, a Riesling yeast when Grant started. That's what he was using. And over the years, we certainly have done some different yeast trials. Uh, if we're making ice cider, we use a distillery type yeast that's really robust because you've got to get through all that sugar uh, and you know the, the alcohol is a little higher on ice cider uh, and you don't want that fermentation to stop so you need a robust yeast but for the for the most part we use um, EC1118 or other champagne yeast. Okay so this might be a little different but Let's talk about what we can do for home brewers, what we can actually, if we don't have access to fresh pressed cider, which nowadays seems to not be the, the norm. You can always, always go to your grocery store and get a jug of fresh unpasteurized apple cider. But if by chance that doesn't exist in the area, um, what are some of the things we can do? Because I know I've just gone and bought just generic um, apple juice. And I've always made sure that there's like that one that there's no sorbet or whatever else in there to right. when you add in your yeast, it doesn't cause it to go. Uh, and you're like, oh, great. I just spent this and it's not doing anything. So what can we do? Well, of course, trying to get apples or juice from a farmer is the best way and knowing which apples you're getting. Okay. So that, you know, you can, you can check to see, is this a good apple for making cider? Does it have any, um, 
uh, tannin in it, which is nice to have if you can. Does it have high acidity? Does it have high sugar? If you don't have those things, you can certainly add some malic acid or citric acid to help brighten up. So if you just have commercial apples, so Macintosh, maybe you're fortunate enough to get some Empire Spartan Cortland mm -hmm. is another one. Yep. Fuji apples uh, that are more readily available, then you could certainly add some, some malic or citric acid to brighten it up. And I would actually ferment it completely dry first and then start making your additions afterwards once you can taste what you think it needs more of. Okay. So if we want to follow what you were telling us before about how you guys make sure there's like a, a blend. So mm -hmm. if we're going in and just buying, like, this is, I know like my, where I am, my, the farmer who has the orchard and a lot, I can go to him and I can almost buy like a, if as a group buy for their homebrew club, you should buy a, like a big plastic tote. So, and we'll divvy that up in five gallon buckets for everybody. But if I'm just going to the grocery store and I want to get a blend, and I know like Macintosh is the big one for juice. Yeah. Um, is there any way where we can do a blend of those commercial juices ourselves, but make sure the ratios are right? Is it a matter of just trial and error saying you're doing one bottle of this juice and be a quarter of that, then taste it and see if it's what you want? It is, it is all trial and error. Macintosh is a pretty good apple to start with because it has sugar and acid. Uh, you could always add some liquid tannin if you're fortunate to get your hands on some or some, some powdered tannin. Mm -hmm. uh, places like Scott Labs do sell powdered tannin that you can add to cider to give it a little bit more astringency. Makes it more sessionable uh, to, to add a little tannin. Uh, so okay. there, there are things that you can do, but very much trial and error. Uh, and of course, it's all about terroir too. So some of the apples that we're growing um, we have a, a trial uh, block in our orchard from the University of Guelph. Some of the apples didn't fare very well in our location, but did really well in other locations. So we have Kingston Black and Frequent Rouge and Bramley Seedling, Brown Snout. We blend all these together and then we check the uh, through lab tests, mm -hmm. what we actually have in terms of sugar and acidity, uh, and then we make our additions after that. So sometimes we do add a little bit more sugar in the form of uh, a liquid invert. Yep. Uh, sometimes we might have to add a little bit of um, tannin if we don't think that it's astringent enough. Okay. And what because, is. Sorry, just for us being a commercial uh, facility that has you know in excess of 250,000 liters a year that we produce consistency is really important for our product mm, absolutely so the, the bigger you get as a, a business the more consistent your product needs to be and especially if it has to go onto the shelves of the LCBO or grocery stores and you don't want things blowing up on the shelves or oh no 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 uh I've had my share of bottle bombs downstairs. So we won't go there. Um, uh, <laughs> I, I got flack for it. I had a cap on a one liter bottle of homemade beer go off like a gunshot and I got cursed out. So we're hey, gonna- I, I grew up in a household where my dad was making wine and beer and sake and stuff in the basement. So things were always going pop in the middle of the night. <laughs> 
Well, the last time I made a batch of, uh, of beer, like when I first started out, I was always like, well, I'm bottled conditioning because I don't have any kegs or anything else right now. And, and I was doing my research and all that. And I was like, can you, well, I've got all these growlers. Can I bottle condition in growlers? And everyone's like, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. You're going to have bombs. Is it? Oh no. And I'm like, what's the worst that can happen? So I, I actually made a little containment chamber out of uh, one of my fermentation buckets and a, and, a, and a completely sealed lid. And I put, I was able to put two bottles in there. One went off like a gunshot and the other one stayed together. Wow. So I was just like, Hmm, well, let's see, <laughs> let's see how this is. So yeah, and I kind of did the same thing for my first time I tried making cider. I made, I went and bought three, three or four liters of just straight up apple juice because I was learning. And I pureed up uh, strawberry, frozen strawberries and peaches and put everything into the fermenter, put in my USO 5 yeast because I didn't know. I just think, give it a try. What's, gonna, what's the worst it can do? And it, I, I let it sit and... I didn't know anything about like temperature control or anything else like that at the time. And I'm like, well, the airlock says it's done. Absolutely. I'm like, all right, the airlock says it's done, but why is it still so cloudy and everything else? I'm like, well, it's probably just all the crap at the bottom. It's just getting mixed up, whatever else. Oh no, no, no. Sue's added in the uh, carb. Like I use the Cooper's carbonation drops. So as follow the directions as per bottle. It's a great product. Drop them in, put on, put on the actual swing top lids and yeah, we'll leave it at that. Yes. I can imagine. <laughs> yeah. So for after that, I learned, well, potassium sorbate is your friend and so is cold crashing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it, it really is trial and error. Um, some of the mistakes we've made along the way have been huge mistakes. Uh, having to dump thousands of liters of ciders, uh -huh. not, not fun thing to have to do. I mean, there's a lot of us in the home brewing world where I, I'm not ashamed of it. I've dumped maybe 15 gallons of beer over, say, the last year and a half just because either it got oxidized or it went, it got infected or whatnot. And it's true. No matter what you do, sometimes something is going to happen. It's just if you take pride in what you do, you're going to take steps to make sure that's always there. And sometimes it's going to hurt when you have to dump out in my case, like six or seven gallons of homemade stuff, but I cannot imagine the pain watching thousands of liters going down the drain of cider or beer. That would be heart crushing. Mm -hmm. I remember getting a call from Grant one evening. He was in the production facility by himself. No one else was around and he said, you got to get here right now. I knocked the valve off the tank. It's emptying out onto the floor. I'm, he was trying to pump stuff out into other containers. And when I got there, there was 5,600 liters of cider on the floor. Oh. And he had to squeegee it all down the drain. Oh no. And then sanitize the whole Shop. Yeah. Oh. It, it's and it's happened since then we've lost tens of thousands of liters wow with, uh, broken valves and leaking man doors on tanks and <laughs> well I, I i work part-time at a uh, local brewery out here called stray dog and they're a fantastic group of guys i, I do know 
uh, in the beginning because they went from the home brewing world straight into the pro side. And there was a couple of times where in one of our big bright tanks, because we were a 15 barrel brew house. So our 30 barrel bright tank, it froze. Oh. And, and the beer was frozen inside. Oh my goodness. And so we had to try and crack the door open, thaw it out. So a say like a five and a half percent beer now just became 6.6% beer. And the boys were like, we can't give this to the LCBO, but we can sell it here or or at least have it on tap saying it's a special edition. But there was other times where things of like glycol is like the pump or seals on the pipes broke and it was all over the floor. So yeah, anything that can go wrong will go wrong on the pro side. Um, it can be fixed, but it's at our price on the homebrew yeah. side, you know, if something goes wrong, okay, I'm out maybe 40, 50 bucks. So it's a little more acceptable, but again, it, I can, I cannot imagine what it's like to watch, 5,600 liters or even 10,000 of liters go down a drain. Yeah, it's um, yeah, not something you want to do uh, often. But uh, yeah, um, I was going to say something there and I've forgotten what it was now. That's okay. I have that problem we all the time. About, <laughs> we were talking about something else a minute ago. So uh, blending of juices. Yes, that's what I was going to say. So when you're doing small, so we still do small batches in Carboys when we're doing different trials. Okay. That's the best way to do it. So akin to being a home brewer or home cider maker, uh, doing things with different fruits. We've tried all kinds of weird fruit combinations, doing lemons or mango, different, different things that get cloudy in the bottle. And then yeah. you sit there and you look at it and you, it smells weird and you, yeah. So we actually do use essences for our flavored ciders. Oh, okay. For the consistency. And, uh, but blending them is, is always a fun thing. Uh, getting the cider base correct before you add your flavors right. um, is important. But I, if I had to pick one thing that you definitely need to adjust is acid. Okay. You've got to have a good acid level insider to make it pop and make it not be so flat and flabby in your mouth. Uh, so, sugar's great. Yeah. But you really need acid. So what apples so added, would added smell of, what, sorry, apples, what, what, a, what apples would you say or what apple juice has the most acid in it then? Well, if you can get your hands on some of the bitter sharp varieties out of the UK. So uh, Kingston Black is really high in tannin and has some really good acid. Foxwhelp isn't something that we grow. I'd love it if I could get some foxwhelp trees. Very, very high, extremely high in acid. And I've actually had it as a single varietal from a UK cider producer. Uh, Very, very interesting. Sharp, sharp um, single varietal cider. Uh, But would be great Blending. So if you had a small percentage of something like that, that you could add to a sweeter cider, okay, then you're going to make it all that much better. You need to add it for complexity to make it more sessionable and drinkable. Okay. So, um, but there's, there's, uh, if you want, if we need to 
raise the acid level or pH on on it. it there's like there's a homebrew side, but we can buy what's needed or what you had mentioned. I can't remember what you what the, mm-hmm. the additive was that you said. The malic acid or the yeah. citric acid. Yeah. Well, I'm pretty sure we can get citric acid at our homebrew shops. And you just add like a little bit of it and, and then we can measure that with like say our uh, pH meter. Absolutely. Adding too much, malic acid is naturally present in apples, of course. Okay. If you do add malic acid, you have to be very careful because it, if you put too much in, it can have like taste okay. to it. So definitely looking at uh, the amount that you're putting in is important. Okay. So as a home brewer, I, I use hops and beer, like it's going out of style. So they're, they're, they're what well, give us, gives us our bitterness and gives us sometimes our aroma and a little bit of extra something special. Have you guys ever used hops in, in ciders? I don't think we you have. have. Oh, yeah? We, have. we made uh, a cider. We called it the County Hopper. It oh. was uh, quite a few years ago. We don't bottle it. And uh, the thing about adding hops to cider, you want something with uh, low bittering units. Yeah, something the low alpha acids. More, yeah. Yeah. Uh, something that's got some really good floral notes to it. Okay is nice and we find that using um pellets is Mm. preferable um doing a cold soak uh not doing it by boiling at all okay because then you're extracting too much of the acids the alpha acids um hold on a moment i think somebody's (laughs) gonna interrupt that's totally fine yes yeah Guy named Jeff from Kingston Fields. I don't know what's in there. I wasn't expecting him. Sorry. Uh, should I? Should you just put that? Somebody's here about the new truck I have to buy for next year. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, all the perks of running a business—you get people coming out of nowhere. Yeah. So, um, hot cider. Yes, I love hot cider. Uh, I'm not big on uh, a really hoppy beers. Okay. Uh, just not my thing. But I do love hops in cider. It, uh, it adds a nice uh, floral quality to it while adding what a little tannin as well. Exactly. You know, a little bit of that astringency. So what hops have you used in your ciders? Um, the first one we did was uh, an English cider. It uh, had been the hop of the year, and I'm trying to read. It was Bramling Cross. Oh, okay. Amazing. It made an amazing cider. We really, really enjoyed that one. Uh, Now we we couldn't get it after that because it had been the hop of the year. You couldn't get it after 2012, I think it was. Um, So now we use um, just a few other different hops that we can get our hands on. So we actually have worked with 555 Brewing. They're good people. They give us some of their hops. We make a hop cider just for them. Oh, nice. And they sell it at their brewery on tap. Well, there you go. See, I would think something like, um, it's a German hop called um, Hersucker, not Hersucker, um, Oh, no. Hollertau, but there's different versions. Oh, yeah, yeah there, but there's different versions of it. And it's relatively low in the alpha acid. So I think something like that, or um, it's an Australian hop, but they're both the one I'm going to say are Australian hops. There's Nelson Sovin. Uh, 
and also uh, Vic's Secret or Victoria's Secret. And, and, and they're both relatively low, but they've got that unique kind of earthy tannin kind of flavor to mm-hmm. it. Um, when we put it, because um, we do a, a, a version of it at the brewery called uh, One Hop Wonder, where we just highlight the one hop. And I always say when I came to the Nelson Sofen, it's almost like a, like a wine taste on the back end. Yeah. So I would think something like that would go well in a cider. Absolutely. So it's funny you should mention Victoria's Secret because that was one of the hops that we got from 555. Ah. And we made a hop cider and called it the County Secret. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. So uh, champagne yeasts. What's, uh, who, who are you buying your yeast from? Is it from, say, like uh, White Labs? Is it uh, Escarpment? We usually get ours. A lot of our um, uh, lab needs from Scott Labs. Okay. Yeah. So, and that's just a straight up regular champagne yeast, or mm-hmm. is there? Or I know um, White Labs have a um, sweet cider slash mead yeast. Mm-hmm. Uh, would you say that would be better to use for possibly a cider than a champagne yeast, or it's just personal preference? I think it's really personal preference. That particular yeast may be really good for fermenting out higher sugar ciders uh, or something that's had honey added to it. Okay. Or something that you want to leave a lot of residual sugar in. Okay. So uh, I'm going to ask you this question about um, your blood orange uh, cider. It's got that really beautiful orangey color to it. Is yes. that is that from the orange? Or is there something a little extra something happening? There's a little something extra happening there. Yes, definitely. So that's an essence that we have blended, and uh, we had it made to taste like uh, an orange creamsicle. Do you remember creamsicle ice creams? Yeah. I'm I'm old enough to understand what a creamsicle is. <laughs> yeah. So for me, that's what it was. So it's not just about the orange; it's about the vanilla as well. Okay. Yeah. Right on. Because I know when I've made my cider uh, to try and mimic uh, the one from Kopelberg, uh, I did, um, I added Rabina, so black currant yes. concentrate when I was bottling. So it didn't go in during fermentation. It was all at the back end. Uh-huh. So I put in uh, the Rabina, then also um, 100% natural extracts of uh, raspberry and blackberry. Mm-hmm. It, it, does, does that make sense? Yes, it does. So what you're doing there is you're making the cider and you're adding the fruit flavorings afterwards, which makes a lot more sense. So you're not getting a cloudy cider. If you ferment with the fruit in it, you're going to end up with a really cloudy cider. It's going to be hard to filter. If you add filtered fruit juice afterwards to a base cider, it's going to be clearer and the fruit play flavor is going to pop a lot more. Okay. So is are there like maybe some pectins or something in just unfiltered or in the whatever the juice adding into the vent that's going to cause everything to fall? Or is it just... When we add the pectin, we add an enzyme while we're pressing. Okay. That, that helps it break down and uh, helps it be easier to filter. Because I know um, some of us will use... Um, a gelatin and mm-hmm. we'll 
heat it up, and then we'll add it once it's not hot, but once it's cooled down, but it's still liquid-based, we'll add yes. it into as we're kegging. And oh, then, okay. And then um, I'll, because I'll, I use corny kegs, so the top can come off. Right. So once that's done, I'll purge it with CO2, and then I'll put it in the kegerator and leave it there and let it just cold crash with the gelatin and then try and pull everything to the bottom, and then I'll hit it with CO2 and carbonate it for the next few days. I've of... never, I've never heard of it being done that way. When you open up those kegs again, how much stuff do you have to clean out of the bottom of them? Ah, that's the trick, though. Um, so some of us, like I know I do sometimes, is that um, I'll put everything through a, a like, kind of like a mesh bag strainer to try and catch as much crap as possible. Right. <laughs> or, uh, yeah, there's still sometimes there's maybe but maybe. An, maybe a half an inch of crap at the bottom but to avoid that uh what i've done with some of my kegs is that i've taken out the old standard metal dip tube and the one that you can get for it, it's for the pressure to go in i'll take i'll get another one like that put it on the other side then i'll put a floating dip tube on so okay. basic basically as even though everything may still be there it's all it's going to do is just pull clean beverage all the way down to it hits the bottom exactly yeah yeah that's what i do yeah um, so you don't filter your ciders beforehand? No. Yeah. Having uh, a clear cider uses, you know, you need to use really good filtration to make that happen. Yeah. Well, homebrew side, home <laughs> unless I'm willing, <laughs> if I'm less, I'm willing to put it through a fair bit of filtering. Um, I, yeah. I, I, I got a feeling I'll, I'll, I'll let it ferment out all the way. And then I'll pass it through a set of mesh bags that yeah. I use for what I'm hopping should catch the majority of everything. Yeah. Nothing wrong with a cloudy cider as long as the flavor's there. Exactly. Exactly. Right? Yeah. We do actually use bentonite. What's that? Uh, so it's a clay. Oh. And we buy it from Scott Labs. Uh, you can get it in all different kinds of forms. We buy the ones that tend to look a little bit like spaghetti noodles and you hydrate them and uh, then you add them to your cider, uh, swirl it around. You can let it sit for 24 to 48 hours and it grabs the uh, protein molecules and pulls them out. Really? And settles. And then you can just filter off the, or rack off the top. Huh. All right, guys, there's something for us to go look for is that uh, filtration clay. Now we're gonna go- Benzenite. I'm gonna look up the benzenite and see if uh, we can find anything. I'll put up a links and everything else to it and, and whatnot. So I think we're coming to the end of our, of our talk. Thank you very much for coming on the show. I greatly appreciate it. I know I've learned quite a bit on how I can fix the way I do things. Well, if you have any questions, you can always email me at info at countysider.com. Jen, thanks a lot again for being on the show. Guys, if you can, I believe they're in the LCPO out here in Ottawa. I know they're all through the county. Uh, go and check them out. And if, please, God, let the, let the pandemic be done by the summer, go to the actual county cider company in Wapoose, Ontario. It is an amazing place and facility. Their patio restaurant is killer. The food is great. And you can't ask for better people. I've gone there lots of times with my family. I've always had a good time. Jen, thank again, thank you very much. Guys, check them out. I believe they're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And we'll see you guys on the other side and with a beer or two along the way. Thanks a lot.
Thanks. <laughs>